Colter Nuanas from ESPN Montana here at the M Store. Proud to present our Nuanas Now podcast each and every day, available on all of your various podcast hosting platforms. One of their awesome partners, a guy that really is uh, helping spread the word about the M Store, is Grizz All American Junior Bergen. What's up, man? Thanks for coming in. Yes, thank you for having me. First of all, you got a cool t shirt. What's it like being on a t shirt? You're a kid from Billings, Montana, so that, yeah. might, that must be kind of surreal knowing there's a t shirt of you at the M Store. Yeah, it's pretty cool. Um, I went to a couple basketball games back home. And uh, I saw some kids running around with I their love shirt it. on. And it was really surreal. It was a cool moment, cool experience for sure. Uh, that's so cool. You guys do such a good job of embracing how much the community loves you. But when people are looking up to you like they do, I mean, they think, I mean, you're the man right now for <laughs> <laughs> the University of Montana. What's yeah. that like being a Montana kid? Um, it's different for sure. Um, you know, growing up, you kind of look up to guys like who are in the NFL totally. and stuff like that. But, um, you know, it's just great to have a, a positive influence on these kids' lives. Um, you know, I just wanted to make sure. Uh, I set the example and lead by example and give them someone to look up to. Go check out the M Store. They're located there at the corner of Higgins and Broadway here in the city of Missoula. And you can also visit anytime online, MontanaMStore.com. They have all the latest and greatest, a whole bunch of original Grizz gear. And of course, they have Junior Bergen t-shirts. Junior Bergen, proud partner with the M Store, as well as us here at uh, ESPN Montana. Thanks for swinging by, man. Yes, sir. Thank you for having me. The M Store, where they're all Grizz all the time. At Blackfoot Communications, our mission is to connect people, businesses, and communities to their networks in Montana and beyond. Through Blackfoot sponsorships, local ambassadors, and public programs, we support initiatives such as the Emergency Broadband Benefit, Fiber Deployments, and Community Events. For information on our commitment to improving our communities with fast, reliable, and secure internet access, go to blackfootcommunications.com news. The Spartans remain the team to beat in Class AA. Hello, I am Coulter Nuanez. Missoula Central moved to 6-0 this season and won for the 16th straight time overall by posting a 35-0 win over Missoula Big Sky on Friday night. That handed the Spartans the city championship and helped Sentinel stay atop this week's Treasure State Media Poll. The Spartans earned 16 of the poll's 17 first-place votes. Billings West, a 30-0 winner over Billings Senior, whose only loss this season is to Sentinel, earned the other first-place vote and stayed steady at number two. Helena Capitals, 48-6 win over Missoula. Missoula Hellgate helped the upstart Bruins rise to number three in this week's poll. And Helena High won for the second straight week, this time posting a 51-0 win over Kalispell Flathead to stick at number four. And Butte's 20-17 win over Kalispell Glacier knocked the Wolfpack out of the top five while thrusting the Bulldogs back into the rankings at number five. The Stats FCS Top 25 rankings are out for the week, and the Big Sky Conference has five teams in the top 20, including three in the top 10. Eastern Washington moved to 6-0 last week with a 63-17 drubbing of Northern Colorado to move to number Number two in the nation. Montana moved up one spot to number five after a 31-14 non-conference win over Dixie State. Montana State moved up to number nine following a 45-7 win over Cal Poly. UC Davis is 13 and Weber State is 19. This ESPN Missoula Sports Center is brought to you by Selway Armory. This is Nuwana's Now on 102.9 ESPN Radio Missoula.
once in a while, we should all just take Dave Matthews' advice. Just eat, drink, and be merry. For, for tomorrow, we all die. I don't want to be morbid. I'm more encouraging you all to celebrate. Thanks so much for being with us. It's Nuanas Now. CSPN Radio as well as SWX Montana Television. I'm Coulter Nuanas, broadcasting to you from the Northwest Motorsports Studio. Missed anything in the first hour of the show? We actually did about half an hour on heavyweight boxing, which I found uh, very compelling. It is a compelling conversation. We also talked some high school football and uh, gave you some Taglieri sandwiches and also heard from Vince Huntsberger, our latest excerpt of Grizz Greats, the 2001 national champion Grizzlies. You'll find everything from today's first hour on the podcast, which is proudly presented by Blackfoot Communications, Sportsbet Montana, and the Wingate by Wyndham Hotel. You want to be involved in this show? It's easy. Call us or text us, 406-888-1029. That's 888-1029. All guests join us via the Rangish Brothers RV phone line. It's a Tuesday, so that means my good friend, Justin Angle, in studio. It's a business angle presented by Blackfoot Communications. And we got a ton to get to, but we were uh, sort of mutually commiserating over our uh, appreciation for, but also uh, the fact that we were so beholden to technology. Justin got himself a little uh, new car, and uh, so that caused him much excitement and also (laughs) a little bit of a logistical issue uh, because when you're driving these fancy new cars, right, uh, not as easy to just pop the tire off and change it, right? Exactly. Yeah, I don't think Tesla had a, like in their in their stress testing of their planning, I don't think they considered the fact that it's tough to get uh, cell service in the nine mile. And uh, occasionally you can uh, get a flat tire on Interstate 90. Amazing. Dark with you c- three kids in the car. You That's- could probably drive this car on Mars, yet you can't get it to functionally change a tire in Montana. Yeah. That in itself is a great testament to Montana. Yeah. Let's keep it wild. I, I love it. <laughs> Regardless, a ton to get to. Uh, we try to keep it positive and have a lot of levity around here, but there's several different uh, non-savory things to talk about, but yeah. things that we have to talk about. And there's sort of three simultaneous issues, two in the national landscape and one here locally in Missoula that all have a lot of crossover. First in the last mm, eight to ten days, we've had the Urban Meyer. Uh, I'm not going to call it a scandal yet because it's not quite a scandal, but it's certainly an issue For those who haven't been paying attention, Urban Meyer, the head coach of the Jacksonville Jaguars, when his team lost on Thursday night football in Cincinnati, he stayed behind. He famously was the head coach at Ohio State for quite some time. He went to a bar that I believe he owns or at least has significant influence in. There was pictures and videos of him and a co-ed. He is uh, married, not to the woman in the videos. And there's also a picture of him and the woman he's married to on the wall of the bar, which I thought was uh, just so ironic. But regardless... Uh, that's one issue, and uh, there's a whole bunch of to, to flesh out there in terms of uh, him not traveling back with his team, but also what is privacy, but also why is this married guy putting himself in this position? Regardless, we'll get into that part in a minute. But then, last night, as a Monday night football game that was a great game was playing out, all that was being talked about during said game was the abrupt resignation of one John Gruden, the head coach of the uh, Las Vegas Raiders. This stems from a massive email uh, summonsing of a bunch of Washington Post journalists um, as they were investigating the Washington football team over basically a 10-year span. And John Gruden just happened to have a variety of uh, incredibly offensive and um, just not good, not good anything that was in any of those emails. Well, then a story broke earlier this week as well 
Uh, and great reporting, by the way, by the student journalists at the Montana Cayman. Uh, but there's a situation similar to this at the University of Montana as well. A uh, professor, is this a computer science, do I have this right? Computer science department. Yeah, computer right. science department has a professor, Rob Smith, who uh, basically has a blog in which he was purporting a bunch of um, misogynistic and sexist and a variety of other non-good words that you could use for uh, this. And so this brings up another issue. So I guess I don't really know even where to start with this, Justin. It, it seems like on one hand, an analysis of how much your technological footprint can get you in trouble, but also an analysis of how uh, silly these guys are for having all of this stuff within their technological footprint. There's just so many different layers to it, but at the end of the day, uh, some unsavory activities, both on the national and local level. Yeah, there's there's a lot there, a lot of open threads, Coulter, um, and a lot to process. Um, I, I guess it makes most sense to sort of talk about the local issue first, sure. um, because you know I hear this from from people I know in the community that you know it's people have people say what they say about tenure, like it's 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 a good thing, it's a bad thing. Sure, um, you know it's designed to protect intellectual freedom. Uh, that's something that I hold dear and a lot of my colleagues hold dear. Uh, yet this behavior by uh, Professor Smith goes far beyond, I think, the boundaries of tenure. And uh, it, I was I was pleased to see the university make the move of putting him on uh, leave today, removing him from the classroom. Um, and it's nice to see, uh, you know, a, a, a response from our leadership that, that appears to be strong. Um, Oftentimes in these like HR issues, and you see this not so much in professional sports, but you see this with universities. Like if somebody's um, accused of something, and you know they can say, you know, the accuser can say whatever they want in the press, whatever. But the institution that is employing that person can't really say anything because there are legal ramifications and you can't comment on an ongoing Title IX investigation or an ongoing lawsuit or things like that. So there's constraints that are asymmetric. And oftentimes, you know, you kind of get what you feel like is a milquetoast response from from an an employer. And in this case, I was really pleased to see President Bodner come out in the paper with some forceful uh, quotes. However, you said, you know, now like people search on those, uh, those terms and that's the first thing that's going to come up on Google. So like this whole sort of interaction of, of um, responding strongly amplifies the story in some ways. Uh, I still think it's the right move. You know, I guess unless you have more to say or more to ask about the situation at UM, we can move on to the, to the, you know, Nugent, I'm sorry, to, um, to uh, Gruden and um, and uh, and what's his name from Ohio? Oh, well, Urban Meyer. <laughs> Urban Meyer. Of course, yeah, right. yeah, I'm trying to keep all these names straight. No, it, it, and I don't really have much more to say to it. I think that uh, I am one that always, first and foremost, has had uh, a lot of respect because of my own personal pursuits in uh, the world of journalism and and free press, and I, I do think that. The summonsing of, of emails, particularly that are public record, can be not only very revealing but very important. I think that a great many stories like that are, are broken because of the diligence of journalists going through emails. I also think it's um, sort of unbelievable that people do send what they do send from – because, again, your personal email is not public record, whereas your professional email, particularly if you're working at a state institution – is public record. So that is 
uh, not only could be garnered via Freedom of Information Act, but also in the court of law and all that sort of thing. But regardless, I, I, I always have respect for that process because I do think it's important in a free democracy. That said, I also like to respect due process and uh, let all the facts come out. The thing that's so striking about the situation at the University of Montana, though, this is not any sort of messaging or emails or texts or anything like that that was intended to be private. This is, in fact, published material mm -hmm. that the writer, at least I would assume, was hoping that people would read. So this is a totally different angle toward, you know, this wasn't just, I don't want to say just, but John Gruden did not expect anybody to uh, read his emails. That does not make that right or correct or moral or any of those things. But this is completely different with this situation because this individual wanted people to read it. In fact, he was hoping that they would take his his uh, words as some sort of, I don't know, so, some sort of uh, parameter in, in which they should live their lives. Yeah, it's published material um, via YouTube, via a personal blog, um, not on any university uh, outlets. I just want to make that clear. Um, so, yeah, I mean, you're, you're broadcasting your views. And in some ways, it's sort of shocking that it took this long to kind of figure it out. And the article, I think, I want to give credit, to, and you did this before, to the Kaiman and the yep. reporter, Andy Tallman, in particular. Yep. I, I thought it was a thoughtful story. I thought he handled um, some really difficult topics uh, elegantly. Um he portrayed the role of the department chair, Jesse Johnson, who I know, uh, in, the, in the position he was in, sort of investigating this and trying to go through due process and, 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 and so forth. Um, so if you haven't had a chance, get over to the Montana Common and check out the story. I think it's important in these cases to read the source material. Um, and, you know, if you read the blog posts and stuff, it's the sort of stuff that you read and you're like, I wish I could forget reading that but um, no kidding it's it's hard to um but let's set that aside so <laughs> let's set that completely uh, aside yeah um the, the case with urban meyer i mean it's just like an unforgivable error that you unforgivable hire these error. people to be good decision makers right and coaches say that over and over again i want players who make good decisions and you hear that in business from CEOs. I want to employ people who make good decisions. Right. This is just classic bad judgment. It is. And it's bad judgment when you know there's a bullseye on your back. Your team is off to a bad start. Yep. There's a lot of people betting against you. And you just make a bad It's almost like he wanted to get fired and get run out of town. Um, and maybe there's some truth to that. We'll see how sure. this transpires. But it's hard to see how he survives this. Justin Angle joining me, Coulter Nuanas here on Nuanas Now. It's a business angle presented by Blackfoot Communications. We do this every other Tuesday. It's an overlay between business and sports and uh, some social commentary today as well. Indeed. Here's the fundamental difference is that as a college coach, you are, I don't know if expected is the right word, but there's an assumption that you're mentoring young men because most of the men on your team are young men. Mm -hmm. You are also the defined adult in that situation, whereas your your players, while becoming or certainly are adults, they have not nowhere close been an adult as long as you, in almost every scenario that you can possibly uh, that you can possibly describe. NFL guys are men that are working a job, not uh, beholden to an institution or a program or anything like that. So, to me, the fundamental difference here is that. I think that if Urban Meyer did the exact same thing he did and he was still at Ohio State, he would be reprimanded, but there would be no consequences whatsoever. And he could also 
almost force and demand that his team continue to obey him. And if you don't obey him, he can just cut you and go get another five-star guy. He has no personnel or roster control in Jacksonville. I mean, the, the most damning part of this whole story is that after he addressed the media about this stuff, he held a team meeting in which a, lo- a great many of the guys on the team didn't even attend. Yeah. And the ones that did were allegedly laughing at him as he left the room. That is a full uh, lack of institutional control. That's the inmates running in the asylum. It's over for you in football. That is the worst thing that could possibly happen to you in an NFL locker room. Because now, I mean, and not to mention the Jags are 0-5. Now these guys are playing for the next contracts. They're not playing for each other. They're not playing for you. They don't care about you. And there's no authority you can establish again. So that's where I think that he is, where, where this is so damning for Urban Meyer. Yeah, he's been in a world where he's had all the power, mm-hmm. right? And now he does not have the power. And that, I think, will be made painfully clear to him. That's a good thing. Yeah. I, I think that's I a mean, good there thing. has to be accountability at some stage. And, you know, I would say that you'd like to live in a world where – he can't engage in that same behavior at Ohio State and get slapped on the wrist. You'd like to live in that world, or I would. Um, and that's the world he lived in, both there and at Florida and elsewhere. But, you know, the NFL is a different ballgame. And particularly, you know, you get to that level and the players have much more power. And if, and if you lose the locker room, you lose the locker room. That's exactly right. Uh, per the John Gruden saga, the thing that struck me most about this, sadly, was not what was actually said. My number one thought coming out of this, and this is not necessarily an opinion, I think this is actually just a pretty steadfast fact, unfortunately, that I I, I can almost guarantee you that there was a variety of men that have been involved in the NFL that were scrambling to figure out how to delete all their emails. And because he is going to be crucified for this, certainly. Unfortunately, he is by no means alone in this sort of attitude and dialogue. So... That's it. That is what it is. I don't want to go down that road any farther. Let's talk about something completely different. Maybe a little bit more of our uh, our wheelhouse here. The Tampa Bay Rays are uh, they are weighing the option of splitting time between Tampa and Montreal. This would be fascinating because on one hand, I think Montreal would welcome them with open arms. Mm-hmm. The Expos moving from Montreal had very little to do with support. They were very popular, even though they were very mediocre. For most of their history, they were very popular. And so I do think that they would be welcomed with open arms. But hash this out for us just in terms of the validity of this, because this would be precedent-setting uh, when it comes to the world of pro sports. This is such an interesting story. Um, you know, it, it, and it kind of is part of a theme of this segment for as long as we've been doing it, this idea of, you know, what does cord cutting represent and what is moving content online and the street, the forces of the streaming wars? What does that kind of represent and, and, and how will that, how will those forces change the industry? If you think about this, like a lot of what we've seen happening over the last few years is this decoupling in professional sports, this decoupling of franchises from place. Sure. Part of that is enabled by streaming. Like, I can be a fan of whatever team I want to be because I can stream their content wherever I am. Not whenever. I, I mean, you can watch recordings, but the live factor still is a factor. But, like, when I was a kid, you know, I grew up in New Hampshire. I loved the Red Sox. But my second favorite team was the Atlanta Braves because mm-hmm. the Atlanta Braves were on. They're on TV. The right. They're on TBS, and I had TBS. Oh, man. But now I There's get, an inordinate amount of Atlanta Braves fans in my age demographic in Montana because it was the reason. only thing on TV. Absolutely, because that's the team you watch. That's you right. You get to know the players. Yep. And you're like, hey, I like Chipper Jones. I like all these guys and Tom <laughs> yep. Glanville. And I'm, yeah. 
It's Tom now. That was the Tom, wrong name. Tom Glavin. Glavin. Glanville was the coach, right? <laughs> That's right. Yeah, you're exposing my lack of expertise here. I'm out of my lane. Anyway, so now you can watch whatever team you want whenever you want to watch them. You know, we've seen like the rise of popularity of European soccer here, for example. Right. You know, people can be fans of whatever team they want. And so does a team have to be in a single place? Certainly there's a lot of like structure around a team being in a place. Sure. It's a way cities organize themselves. It's a way local advertisers organize themselves in the stadium. But as far as like the where the real money is made in professional sports, you could have a team exist anywhere, represent a anything you want. Oh, wow. And you think of the forces like, or the, the sort of worldwide brands like the Yankees or the Dallas Cowboys or those level of brands, really. Mm -hmm. I mean, they transcend geography. And you could see a world where like those franchises want to not be tethered to some region. I mean, they might want to be tethered to some region to sort of cultivate some of the brand associations with that region, but you don't have to. And um, we see this with all these other, you know, with the, the NFL trying to get, I'm sorry, the NFL playing in London and sure. all these other international, I mean, these businesses have to grow. They have a mandate to grow and, yes. and sort of decoupling from place could be a way to grow. And I think it would be, first of all, way easier for a team that has less attachment to said place like Tampa. Heck yeah. I mean, Tampa Bay, the Rays have been in existence. I guess when was the last expansion? I, about 25 years, I mm -hmm. think, is when, since they've been in existence. That's fundamentally different than moving the New York Yankees from somewhere. They can't fill a stadium in an elimination game against the Boston Red Sox. Right. I mean, that's a problem. That, your that's your a economic huge problem. model does not work if you can't fill that stadium. I find it fascinating, too, that some of the great home field advantages or great home, home court advantages in all of sports exist at the collegiate level throughout mm -hmm. Florida and how their professional teams can get no traction. Yeah. It's so weird. Even when the Miami Heat had LeBron James and Dwayne Wade, there was empty seats. That's crazy. They were winning the championships with the, Bulls, the biggest stars in the world. I, I thought that was interesting. The other thing that comes to my mind, though, is, and tell me if this is even valid, but it seems as if you could, rather than remove a team from a place, why not just form a super team that has no place? Well, I think that's where it ultimately goes, right? right? Like you could, you could sort of, inter you, you could come in as a new entrant into a marketplace and have this new disruptive model, this new strategy. It would be interesting to see if, uh, I guess an analogy where this could work would be in college sports. I mean, we're seeing the, this, this process kind of un unfold with these conferences that used to be, Used to have some loose tie to geography now. Who right. knows? Like teams. I mean, Nebraska's in the same conference as Rutgers. Yeah. I mean, those those are two time zones apart. Yeah. Lincoln, who, Nebraska, and Trenton, New Jersey have nothing to do with each other. Exactly. And so you could have, and we're going to see this you know, more and more, like new universities that are all online, for example. Yes, like, right. And, and it'd be interesting to see, like, if an online university makes the choice to field a, uh, you know, a sports team. But they could. That infrastructure kind of, or not the infrastructure, but that sort of structure exists. And if they feel a, a team, that team is decoupled from place because online education is decoupled from place. So that, that could be an area where you might see it. Do you have a few more minutes? Yeah. Let's take a break. Let's do it. I, I, I'm going to ask you a question that I don't want the answer to until we come back. Have you heard of Bishop Sycamore? Because this is a, a sort of rudimentary example of what we are talking about. But on the high school football level... More on Bishop Sycamore and more on the business angle here on Nuanas Now. Keep it right here, ESPN Radio.
Sportsbet Montana is powered by the Montana Lottery. Join in on the excitement for Sportsbet Montana by betting on your favorite sports and teams, both collegially and professionally. There are multiple ways to bet, including in-game, which gets you into the action live as the game unfolds, and parlay betting, where you could have a chance to win big. Sportsbet Montana, a secure and interactive way to win while watching your favorite sports. Bets can be placed securely on the mobile app while at an authorized Sportsbet Montana location or by using the Sportsbet Montana kiosk located at approved vendors. Montana bettors have wagered more than $28 million since Sportsbet Montana launched almost a year ago. And in that time, bettors have won more than $25 million. Sportsbet Montana's retail partners have more than $1.7 million in commission. Head on down to your authorized Sportsbet Montana locations and get in on the fun today. The Spartans remain the team to beat in Class AA. Hello, I am Coulter Nuanez. Missoula Sentinel moved to 6-0 this season and won for the 16th straight time overall by posting a 35-0 win over Missoula Big Sky on Friday night. That handed the Spartans the city championship and helped Sentinel stay atop this week's Treasure State Media Poll. The Spartans earned 16 of the poll's 17 first-place votes. Billings West, a 30-0 winner over Billings Senior, whose only loss this season is to Sentinel, earned the other first-place vote and stayed steady at number two. Helena Capitals, 48-6 win over Missoula. Missoula Hellgate helped the upstart Bruins rise to number three in this week's poll. And Helena High won for the second straight week, this time posting a 51-0 win over Kalispell Flathead to stick at number four. And Butte's 20-17 win over Kalispell Glacier knocked the Wolfpack out of the top five while thrusting the Bulldogs back into the rankings at number five. The Stats FCS Top 25 rankings are out for the week, and the Big Sky Conference has five teams in the top 20, including three in the top 10. Eastern Washington moved to 6-0 last week with a 63-17 drubbing of Northern Colorado to move to number Number two in the nation. Montana moved up one spot to number five after a 31-14 non-conference win over Dixie State. Montana State moved up to number nine following a 45-7 win over Cal Poly. UC Davis is 13 and Weber State is 19. This ESPN Missoula Sports Center is brought to you by Selway Armory. Tuesday, everybody. Hope you're having a great afternoon into the evening. You're listening to Nuanez now on ESPN Radio, as well as SWX Montana Television. We'll get to our Treasure State stars here in a little bit, but our good buddy Justin Engel is in studio with us, and I had a couple more things to get to with him. It is a business angle presented by Blackfoot Communications, which is an overlay between business and sports. Justin is a professor of business at the University of Montana Business School. I asked you about Bishop Sycamore. He said he had no idea. You done a little. Uh, you did five minutes worth of research here. That's just like me, my freshman year of college, before I write a term paper or something. Yeah. Um, but more than the Bishop Sycamore situation, for those who haven't been following, Bishop Sycamore was a sort of fantasy high school football team that said they were a high school football team, but they have no actual affiliation with an actual high school, and they basically lied their way all the way to get a, nas- a national game on ESPN against IMG Academy before the whole thing came crashing down. And on one hand, it's a hilarious story. On another hand, it's a story just wrought with fraud because the coach was writing bad checks all across the board. 
So we make jest of it, but in fact, it was a, a high-level crime that was happening. But uh, regardless, although Bishop Sigamore has been the butt of a variety of jokes, because it is, in its essence, just unbelievable that this happened, the they actually ironically sort of set a, a, a blueprint and we actually just got a great text in from our producer, Andrew Houghton, who's actually out at Grizz football practice getting some interviews for us. Tommy's in the back. Appreciate Tommy sitting in for Andrew. But he said, the thing that what you guys were talking about would most continue to grow when you talk about teams with no place would be in eSports. Mm-hmm. The third-person shooter video games like Overwatch League, uh, they went out and they have teams that are associated with all sorts of different areas, but also they can get guys from everywhere. And then it got me thinking, Andrew, who is uh, actually my roommate as well, he plays MLB The Show all the time. And I'm always asking him, what's your team? Well, you get like these cards, and then they assemble the team. And so every time you play online, you have yeah. a different team. You could have Roberto Clemente and Hank Aaron and, uh, you know, Paul Goldschmidt all on the same team. And uh, so then it gets me thinking like that. So uh, eSports is certainly a good example, but then what happens when real sports are sort of like that as well? Like you just go on a different team every single year and you're just on these traveling teams that have really no home. It's, it's, it's a bizarre world to think of. And, um, you know, the Bishop Sycamore thing is like this piece of gold for comedy. But at the same time, it's got a dark side to it too. And it kind of raises this issue of, you know, we've talked about this before, like... You know, in full disclosure, like I, high school sports, college sports were like hugely important in, in my life and remain hugely important in my life. Um, but it is a little odd that we couple education with um, these sports teams. Um, there's a ton of educational value in being a member of a sports team or participating in the sport. But should it be part of our school systems? Right. Um, and this doesn't happen anywhere but America. Exactly. There's not college sports. People around the world think that it's crazy that we have 100,000 people going to watch high, uh, college football game on Saturdays. Yeah. I mean, European educational system in particular, they have this club system. Sure. You come through this club system, and the club systems feed into the professional systems, mm-hmm. and it's it's a different uh, design. And, you know, there's probably a bunch of problems with it, too. Um Ultimately, as we're kind of like, as uh, it, it's, it's like there's a market for eyeballs, right? Yes. And the market for subscriptions. Yes. And that market just has voracious demand for content. Yep. And that voracious demand for content is just grabbing more and more athletic events and athletic types. Totally. And so high school sports are now on television. There's not betting on high school. Like all of this stuff is just proliferating to grab our attention, probably so they can serve us more ads. We'll set that one aside for a moment. <laughs> but it just prevents all these perverse incentives. If you take that viewership model, that monetization model, and push it down to, you know, it's sort of something we look the other way at in college sports and have for a long time. But now that it's starting to proliferate high school sports, um, and we're talking about the monetiz- you know, the, the, the name, image, and likeness rights that, that I, athletes now will have as NCAA athletes. Like it just in- introduces all these perverse incentives. And maybe at the end of the day, it just adds more transparency to a marketplace with conflict already. I'd like to think we could get there, or maybe it just becomes a total mess. Being the New York Yankees, being the Los Angeles Lakers, yeah. being the Chicago Bulls, being iconic pro sports franchises in massive American media markets is the way to make the most money. It's not a coincidence that 
the teams that play the most games in professional sports, the Los Angeles Dodgers, the New York Yankees, and the two biggest markets are the two most lucrative sports franchises in the country, with the exception of probably the Dallas Cowboys and the Washington Redskins, only because of their brand name recognition, and I guess the Washington football team at this point, too. But that's the valuation, basically, is based on market reach, all that stuff. But in your mind, what is the way to maximize profits? Opinion about the the strangeness aside, it seems to me, if you really did assemble a barnstorming Harlem Globetrotters-type baseball or football or basketball team yeah. that had no place of origin, on one hand, you would miss out on a lot of money that you could make from ticket sales of the gate. But if you did it right, it seems like you could actually maximize your profits at a much higher level. Yeah, I mean, I think there's a lot of ways to slice that. I mean, you because c- there's there's not necessarily a coupling between team performance because you mentioned the Yankees, you mentioned right. the Cowboys, like those teams. They've been decent, but they haven't won championships right. in a while. Yet you've got the Tampa Bay Rays, best team in the American League, no can't fill a stadium. Right. So that it's is. A, it's as an old, an old athletic director once told me, and I never forget this line. He said, "It has literally nothing to do with winning. It only has to do with the hope of winning." I think that's right. I mean, look at uh, how you know. Look, look at Michigan, University of Michigan. For, for you they know, haven't won it since '97. Exactly, but they're sort of always assumed to be there. You could say no the question. same thing about Notre Dame. Texas. So there is this branding effect that goes on. So, like the best way to monetize your platform, yeah, create this branding effect that gives you a tribe. And the promise of winning your ride is probably more more uh, um, enticing than the actual wins. Um, yeah, that promise of winning, winning kind of has to come from something. There has to be some winning at some point in the DNA, and the brand has to stand for something. But these powerful brands can endure a lot if they sort of do the things they need to do to maintain those associations in people's mind. I swear, every time we have conversations, you just take me all the way down the rabbit hole. I, I just think <laughs> I don't about know if that's good or bad. I know. Well, it's it's very thought provoking, which is good. But then I also think of the way that the world is shifting, and I'm not saying it's good or bad. It just makes me very uncomfortable. Mm. Yeah, I mean, I, th- I think that's reasonable to be thinking about that, and that's stuff I push in the classroom with with the students. Uh, this is the world they're graduating into, and there's big problems to solve, and a lot of the. Th- their sort of default settings, how we operate in society are involved in those problems, and it's important to shine a light on them and rethink them. I'm just so interested to see, too, then the infiltration of the way that uh, advertising shifts in this modern era, but more importantly, the way in-game betting... Be, here, here's the thing. We... I don't want to sound like such a cynic, but it's just the truth. This is a business angle, by the way. Justin Angle in studio with me, Coulter Nuanas, presented by Blackfoot Communications. If and when you can live bet on every single thing that could possibly happen within a sporting event, that opens the door then for corruption. And I'm so interested to see when this happens. I listened to a podcast, which I've talked about on the show multiple times, um, about the Tim Donahue scandal in the NBA about 15 mm-hmm. years ago when Tim Donahue, the NBA referee, was point-shaving and influencing betting lines and influencing results of games. But the, the uh, thesis of that podcast is all about um, that the NBA is like that across the board, that it's more like the WWF than it is like any other sport. I don't want to believe that. I don't know if it's true or not. The podcast is incredibly convincing. But just from my romanticized point of view, the NBA is one of my favorite things. Sure. It's like the way I relax. I just love watching the NBA. And, don't pull uh, the curtain back. That's what I'm saying. I don't. Even if it is, it's great cinema. So congratulations to them because the stories are rich and you know their heroes and heels are... Way better than WWF, so that's fine. But regardless, I just wonder 
when that starts to infiltrate because it, it's it's pretty tough to get away with actual point shaving or results like throwing games. We've seen guys get in a lot of trouble for that all throughout the history of sport. But I got $1,000 on Justin Angle to miss this next free throw, and Justin Angle missed the next free throw, and we split the money. You know what I mean? Like, that is so easy to do. Yeah, hey, dude, miss this par putt, and I got a, a 10 large on it, and I'll split it with you. But think of how the think of the timing, right? right. Like these these these. Hey, you know, and you see this portrayed in media stories or movies or whatever. Like you know, all the build up to we need you to take a dive, and you know, here's the must sack of money, and I'm going to take a dive in the fight or whatever. Sure, sure. Real time betting. There's such it's at such a pace that I right. just I think that actually since it's in real time might actually be more immune to corruption because if you're making an instant bet on whether LeBron makes or doesn't make that free throw, sure. there's but you can make that bet right up to the second of the free throw with the connection between the person placing the bet and LeBron having some awareness of the side of the bet to be on. I just think it's too fast. Right. And so it's almost like stock trading in a sense that it will create this. I don't know if this, I have to think this through more before I offer this hot take, but you know, there's this thing in the capital markets called the efficient markets hypothesis is that they reflect all available information and a similar effect might, um, occur with instant betting because the timing is so instant that the, it can't affect an athlete's behavior. To be continued, because this is going to continue <laughs> to get hashed out, I have so many things going through my head right now, specifically when it comes to golf, because I think it would be a very easy way to signal in between shots. Oh, yeah. because That's a slow game. Right? So. you got 10 yeah, to yeah. 12 minutes. Baseball and, with pitching. And, sure. Yeah. Yeah. You know, and I just, on my broadcast, I just give you a little right here, and then all of a sudden you go put 10 grand on me, going to miss this next putt or make this next putt or whatever. I don't know. I just, unsavory to be sure, but uh, maybe it's been going on for the duration of time. That's what Sports Illustrated's thesis was and their latest gambling issue was. The only thing that's different about this tipping point of sports gambling is the regulation and awareness of it. Other than that, Nothing's different than what's been happening for 150 years ain't in America. Ain't trying. That's exactly right. As, as Ken Burns says in his baseball documentary, baseball is the true American game because baseball is America's pastime and baseball is based on cheating and cheating is the American way. It's a cynical view to be sure, but it's also 100% true. It's been a business angle with our good friend Justin Angle from the University of Montana Business School. We do this every other Tuesday, presented by Blackfoot Communications. We'll continue to hash this stuff out. But, Justin, thanks so much for coming down and hanging out with us. Absolutely. Treasure State Star, some of the best performances from around the state of Montana. To take you home on your Tuesday, keep it right here, ESPN Radio. After a long couple of months, it's finally feeling like we're getting back to business as usual. But it's not the usual at all. At Missoula's Wingate, we are, as always, committed to giving you a relaxing stay at a great value. But we're also balancing the new guidelines, like maximum pool occupancies and increased disinfecting, to protect your health with a never-ending pledge to make you feel at home when you're not. If you find yourself on the road in the Missoula area, please consider staying with us at Missoula's Wingate. ESPN Radio Missoula. What's wrong? You've been a 
asking, but I don't have an answer. How come? Once upon a time, uh, the advent of sports now. media, as in its first of what has become this iteration of it, they used to have the wide world of sports, where they take you all the way around sports. And uh, it's become way more niche now, the way the sports media works. But we're continuing to try to take you all the way around the wide world of sports. So I really hope you enjoy us because this show will have conversations with some of the uh, most articulate and interesting people throughout this state is very fulfilling for me, but also very therapeutic for me as well. And uh, sometimes you just got to talk about it to hash it all the way out. So hope you don't mind us going down uh, some maybe non-trendy and or non-typical conversation paths from time to time. But I think that's what makes this show unique and what makes it, uh, at least hopefully to you, great. It is Nuanas now on ESPN Radio. Maybe you're watching in. On SWX Montana Television, I'm Coulter Nuanas. We're broadcasting to you from the Northwest Motorsports Studio. They have the largest inventory of trucks anywhere in the Pacific Northwest. You can see all those trucks, almost 1,600 of them, at nwmsrocks.com. Time now for our Treasure State Stars. Do this each Tuesday, highlighting some of the best performances from across the state of Montana. It is presented by Parkside Credit Union in the market for any sort of financing, whether it's for a new home, a car, Maybe you, or you got a boat coming up next summer. You want to get that done over, over Christmas or something. Parkside Credit Union, the, one of the best places in western Montana to get a loan because Parkside Credit Union loves to say yes. Treasure State star number one. It's his third appearance already, and that's because he's one of the best players in the state of Montana at the high school football level. He's Zach Cruz, a senior at Missoula Sentinel, a two-way star. He ran for three touchdowns and threw a fourth as the unbeaten Spartans moved to 6-0, their 16th consecutive victory and they secured the Missoula City Championship with a 35-0 win over Missoula Big Sky on Friday night. Another big victory for one of the hottest teams in the state. Helena Capital took down Hellgate 48-6 behind Joey Michelotti's three touchdown passes and a fourth rushing touchdown. So Helena High, excuse me, Helena Capital, they continue to roll. I was unsure what I thought of sort of the middle tier of Class AA, but I think Helena High or Helena Capital and Helena High were both sort of in that mix, but Capital and Helen and I both have definitely plugged their way into the, the top tier. So we're sort of seeing a little bit of a stratification as the playoffs draw more near. But Helen the Capital now 5-2 and two overall and 4-1 and one, uh, in Western AA play after beating Hellgate behind Joey Michelotti's three touchdown passes and a fourth rushing touchdown. Treasure State star number three, Forrest Suaro. He returned an interception 16 yards for a score, and he also had a safety as Helen a High one for the third straight week. They had three, count them, three defensive scores and a 51-0 victory over the Kalispell Flathead Braves. Treasure State star number four, Spencer Berger. He kicked three field goals for Billings West as they beat Billings Senior in a route 30 to nothing. But Berger, he had a 47-yarder to end the first half. That's a huge kick for a high school kid. So three field goals for Spencer Berger, including a 47-yarder to end the first half. That lands him on the Treasure State Stars. Treasure State star number five, Jay Stenson. He had a one-yard touchdown run in the fourth quarter to help lift Butte past the Kalispell Glacier Wolf Pack. Glacier's lost three straight now, and uh, Butte, they moved to five and two overall, four and one in the West. So a good job by Butte. They're definitely one of those contending teams as well. Treasure State star number six, Eli Quinn. He threw three touchdown passes uh, to help lift his team to a victory. And then Treasure State star at number seven, Jarrett Wilson. 15 of 18 for 301 yards and five touchdowns. He continues to tear it up for the Polson Pirates. He also showed his prowess on the ground 
88 yards rushing and also scored a rushing touchdown as well as Polson throttled Haver, uh, scoring the first 42 points of the game. So there you go. Treasure State Stars do that highlighting some of the best performances around the Treasure State each Tuesday here on Nuanas Now. Hope you're having an awesome afternoon, an awesome evening. Thanks so much for kicking it with us and spending time with us. Also, thanks for letting me, uh, you know, get a little personal stuff off my chest. The The technological tipping point has been profound. And uh, as a guy that tries to profess myself as a young at heart forever, and a guy that still lives a pretty young lifestyle despite being in my mid-30s, the technology is a little bit overwhelming from time to time. And I think that how rapid it's accelerating is pretty crazy as well. And uh, so, you know, sometimes if you're not keeping up, you're getting passed behind. So I'm trying to keep up. But uh, it was a little bit of a frustrating day-to-day because – it made me realize not necessarily just because of the malfunctions of some of my devices, but it was the concept of how beholden I am to them, and that was the frustrating part. So thanks for letting me get that off my chest. I know I'm probably not alone when it comes to our loyal listeners out there. We had a fun show today, great conversation with Andrew Houghton about heavyweight championship boxing. We ordered the Tyson Fury-Deontay Wilder fight on Saturday night and far exceeded our expectations. I thought it was going to be good. It turned out to be phenomenal. We talked so much about it, we didn't really get to the Bobcats or the Grizzlies, so we'll talk about that a little bit more tomorrow. We also had your high school football roundup, gave you some tagliere, and then Justin Angle, kind enough to spend two segments with us here for the Business Angle, talked everything from the issues going on down at the University of Montana with the computer science professor, Rob Smith, who's in some hot water, to John Gruden's email scandal, to Urban Meyer's Bargate scandal. And uh, then some hypotheticals about the future of sports as well. You can find everything from today's show on the Nuana is Now podcast, probably presented by Blackfoot Communications, Sportsbet Montana, and the Wingate by Wyndham Hotel. All sorts of stuff coming up for you again tomorrow, so stay tuned for that. We are still going to hear from Weber State head coach Jay Hill and Sacramento State head coach um, Troy Taylor later on this week, so stay tuned for that. Also, tons of college football, specifically the Bobcats, the Grizzlies, and everybody in between. We'll see you tomorrow, 4 p.m. It's Now. At Blackfoot Communications, our mission is to connect people, businesses, and communities to their networks in Montana and beyond. Through Blackfoot sponsorships, local ambassadors, and public programs, we support initiatives such as the Emergency Broadband Benefit, fiber deployments, and community events. For information on our commitment to improving our communities with fast, reliable, and secure internet access, go to blackfootcommunications.com slash news. It's finally starting to feel like winter around here, and if you need some nice winter gear, How about the fine folks at Sitka? They make awesome winter clothes, and they sell custom Bobcat Sitka gear at the MSU Bookstore. You can shop online anytime at msubookstore.org, or, of course, you can check out the MSU Bookstore live and in person there on the Montana State campus. They also have some graduation regalia back in order there at the MSU Bookstore. They have an awesome American Indian Council selection as well. Visit on campus anytime you need blue and gold or visit online anytime, anywhere, msubookstore.org. MSU Bookstore, your best place for blue and gold on game day or any other day located there on the Montana State campus.